3: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 95 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. As I've said on the last couple of weeks' shows, I'm not joined by Iaz; He's took a vacation to New York. But instead, we're joined by a man that's been on the show before, a man that's been on many shows, a man that, of course, is the former WBO super featherweight champion of the world, Mr. Barry Jones. Barry, thanks for coming on. Hey, no problem, Joe. How are you, mate? All good, my friend. You? Yeah, fantastic. Nice to be back on. And what I will say to you, Barry, as well, at the moment you're obviously the face of box nation doing the uh, the whole thing the other day. What did you make of that? <laughs> it, um, it was uh, it was nothing that
2: I I thought I would i I'd been planning to do. It was just a case of everyone was on holiday, so I thought I would have a crack of presenting. Anything to see Lama Chen. That's what I thought, right? I would do anything to, to watch that man box. And uh, so I um I took Steve Bunch's seat and got um Gary and Andrew MacInery to take my chair and, and help me out and we had a, a good night.
3: Yeah, no, it, was, it was good. It was a good watch. Right, moving on to the reviewing from last week's action. There's uh, There's a couple of bills to go over. I'm just going to try to through these, We're going to start with the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California. One fight or two fights on that bill, really, to mention. Uh, we're going to mention, of course, Maurizio Herrera, 23-7, and seven, took on Jesus Soto Carras, 28-11 and 11 with four draws. Uh, Maurizio Herrera was actually cut on the right eye from an accidental headbutt during that fight, but went on to win a majority decision, so I'm pleased for him. Um, by all accounts, it was a bit of a war. I didn't actually manage to catch any of it, but um, I'm pleased for Maurizio. He's a man that's been on this show before. Also on that bill, Vacheslav Shabrensky, 18-1, took on Todd May, 10-0 with one draw. A little bit of a prospect, Todd May, but I didn't know too much about him. It was for the vacant WBC United States light heavyweight title. Um, May was actually cut on the left eye from a punch in round two. Shabrensky was cut on the corner of his eye from a punch in round three. It got a little bit bloody. The referee decided to stop the bout in the corner so it was um it was a retirement. It went down as a retirement in round 7. So Todd May didn't come out for round 8. And Shabrensky picks up the win there. 19 wins inside of 20 fights. So very well done to him. Moving over now to the MGM Grand in Detroit, Michigan, USA. We've got to mention this fight, I suppose. Nikki Adler, 16-0, put a WBC World Female Super Middleweight title on the line against Clarissa Shields. And also the vacant IBF World Super Middleweight title is on the line as well. Clarissa Shields was only going in, as I said Nikki Adler 16-0 and the golden girl, Clarissa Shields picked up the TKO in round 5 it was obviously scheduled for 10 2 minute rounds didn't need those, very impressive win there for Clarissa, I think she pretty much won every round, dominated a world champion there and becomes a world champion herself, she's now got 2 belts inside 4 fights so that's, that's amazing Moving over now to India. One fight to mention over here. Vijenda Singh moved to 9-0. A unanimous decision win over 10 rounds against a man who was unbeaten, but I, I'm not even going to try and pronounce that name. It's uh, I'm not going to try and do that, to be honest. Uh, he also he also defended successfully his WBO Oriental and WBO Asia-Pacific super middleweight titles. His opponent was deducted a point in round six for repeated low blows. Is Vijenda Singh still with Frank Warren, by the way, Barry? I'm not quite sure. I would, I would say maybe not, to be honest, because we haven't
2: heard a thing about him for a while, and, and so I, I think he was signed to Queensbury. But I'm not quite sure if he is any anymore. He's a, he's a talent, but how far he goes is hard to tell, because you know he never really came up against any resistance, and he probably still hasn't yet, to be honest.
3: Yeah, no, he had a decent amateur career, of course, but um... well, he
2: had, a, he had a phenomenal amateur career, but and and he was and I think Lee Beard, who I think still possibly trains him, uh, said he's a really you know he can be how hard he hits because everything that I'd seen from him you know before he turned pro would suggest he never really hit that he was a, very much a product of that um, computer scoring where it was all about you know just flicking shots out and being you know long arms and athletic more than actual boxing skills. I think a, a lot of the amateurs, because he be, you was know, be an amateur for a long time and successful at doing that. And I thought the transition would have been a struggle for him, but he actually he sort of adapted and showed power quite early. But again, against against with no disrespect to his opponent, limited opposi- opposition. I think when you've had a, an amateur career as stellar as, as the gender thing, then I think you you should and you have to be moved along quite quickly. And I, I think that he hasn't quite done that, but now he's he's boxing ten or twelve rounders now, you know, for you know, some sort of titles which are given rating, So I, I guess you know the big fights or the testing fights are, are very much around the corner for him.
3: Yeah, I hope so, hope so. But um yeah, definitely a promising one, definitely one to watch out for. Now moving over to the Microsoft Theatre in Los Angeles, California, the bill that Barry Jones brought us on the weekend if you were watching on Box Nation. Um I want to start with the undercard. I'm gonna start with the Raimundo Beltran fight, <laughs> thirty-three and seven with one draw going in against Brian Vasquez thirty-five and two. Um Firstly, I was a bit surprised, really, because I'm sure he was fighting once again for a green card. <laughs> I think last time he fought, yeah. he uh, he knocked someone out for it, and then they put it on the line again. And, of course, he you know he fights well. Um, obviously, there there's, there were two belts on the line. They were both Beltran's belts going in, the NABF lightweight title and the WBO NABO lightweight title. Vasquez actually missed the weight, so those belts were only on the line so to speak for Beltran so uh, I don't think he could have lost those, those those titles there. Beltran was cut on his right eye from a punch in round 6. Beltran was also cut in the middle of his forehead from a headbutt in round 10 which was the, uh, the the final round anyway so it wasn't too bad. Vasquez was also cut on the bridge of the nose from that same head clash in round 10. A majority decision win for Raimundo Beltran. He um I don't know, it was a bit of a I wasn't really expecting that kind of Raimundo Beltran. I think that I kind—I kind of thought he'd probably take Vasquez out early. He's got a nice-looking record, but it's a little bit padded for my liking. What did you make of it all, Barry?
2: Well, well, I think um, I think Beltran does what he always says, He doesn't give you much space. But I thought, and I think he tried to get like he tried to use his physical strength and the size, which is which is. Which is was clear to see how much bigger he was. They're saying that Beltran has a huge head, <laughs> so <laughs> he, he sometimes looks bigger than he actually is. But he, he was much bigger than Vasquez, but Vasquez was better on the inside actually than than Beltran. Just Vasquez, he's not a big puncher, and you know, but he was very elusive up close. You no, know, I think almost in that in that James Tony role where you know you could you could be you could be right on him, but he could make you miss, and I think he did that, and made it quite frustrating for Beltran, and was having more success. In close, but, but Beltram, you know, was first case, was a little bit too negative, and that's why Beltram, you know, was 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 a clear winner, really, to be honest. But yeah, you you expect for a guy that size, and, and Beltram's on a bit of a roll at the moment. He's having a real Indian summer right now. That we were all expecting that Beltram would use our size and strength and, and maybe get a late stoppage like like you predicted.
3: Yeah. No, but, um, yeah, nonetheless, obviously another win for him. Another name, I suppose, uh, to to some kind of degree. A majority decision over 10 rounds in favor of Raimundo Beltran. Now the main event, Vassal Lomachenko, 8-1, and one, took on Miguel Mariaga, 25-2. and two. A lot of people were a bit annoyed when this fight got made. They thought it was going to be an easy win for Lomachenko. Mariaga kind of had the puncher's chance. We know he can bang a bit. Um, it Ooh. ended up being a little bit of a... Well, it was quite one sided for me. Obviously, the WBO World Super Featherweight title was on the line. Your old belt, Barry, as well. Um,. (laughs) Mariaga was down in rounds three and seven. Mariaga's corner ultimately stopped the bout after round seven. He didn't come out for round eight. Lomachenko was cut as well on his eye from a headbutt. Um, I think he had a, a couple of nicks under both eyes actually. So a um, little bit of a marked up face, but all in all, quite a dominant performance. I thought, to be completely honest, Barry, I thought that I think it might have been Gary Lockett. I don't think it was Enzo. I think they was a little bit harsh. I was quite impressed with him.
2: Yeah, he was. You, know, you just, I think, you just, I think he's trying to please the crowd. I, I think, I think that Gaddy was a little bit upset with, he's you not know, a lover of showboating. Neither am I. And I think, I think Lomachenko tried to do that because he's trying to sell himself, you know. So I think he's, he's trying to show off a little bit. But he doesn't need to because he's so beautiful to watch that if you can enjoy watching Lomachenko do his work, then you're not a fan of boxing. And I don't care what anyone says to me. I argue all day long. If you don't like watching Lomachenko, you're not a fan of boxing. You are certainly not. You must go and watch the uh, other combat sports because he is just sublime in every way. He doesn't need the showboat. But listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a little. I, I think it's a little bit unjust saying Mariaga was, is an easy fight because it's an easy fight after the, the fights that he's come up against. But for a guy having his, you know, in under ten fights, boxing or Mariaga would be a decent a, a, a defence for Ali Shelby. I know, for his featherweight title, or for Oscar Valdez, it was a, it was a good, no one argued about him having that defense for him. And these are guys who have more experience than Lomachenko in the professional ranks. So, you know, it was a good, it was a good world title. Fight. Not every fight, not every fight can be a, a super fight. Not every fight can be a, a unification match. Or that's the problem with today's world, especially in the boxing world. That once someone wins a world title, then they have to be going. The only big names allowed. You know, when we forget. We go back. You know, we're all um, boxing snobs, and we go back to the the great years of the 80s. But they, the champions like Marvin Hagler, never never boxed. You know, great fighters in every defence. He had some tremendous defences, but he never boxed great fighters in every defence. nor the Sugar Ray Leonard, nor the Tommy Hearns. Know, they boxed tremendous fighters, but they had some easier touches. These guys who guys who were, who were deserving of World title shots. It's right? not the not the the household names or the pound for pound contenders. So Lomachenko no, it was in looking back at his record is in east that was that would be his made one of his easier fights but he he's so good. And and you know, and we want and he will get a, he will get big tests and I think he wants to fight everyone. I know Rigondoe's been talked about and that's uh I'm not sure about the size difference there, but that it, it would be a fascinating fight. I don't know how good it'd be to watch, to be honest, but it'd be a fascinating match to watch, but more exciting fights uh, would be against Javante Davis and and obviously Mikey Garcia and, and, and Jorge Lenaris if he beats Luke Campbell. And they're they the sort of fights that we wanna see. I think, cause I think for me, the only thing that beats Lombachenko is size, is in moving up in weight until the end. All these sort of moves and I don't intimidate other opponents. You know, you can't you can't be fighting giants forever until they just put it on you, you know, or, or you you've know, got you lose. You're giving away size and strength and reach and everything else. And that's the only way he's going to get beat because he's just one of the most perfect boxers I've ever seen in my entire life. And I, so you look at fighters and you think, you know, you go through stages of going, oh, if I could fight like anywhere, I'd pick him. You know, I picked Cotto for a couple of years back, and I lived the other box like the way Cotto fights. But now, if I could, if I could draw back the clock, roll back the clock and box like anywhere, it would be Lomachenko. Really good, really would. It really would. Oh, then, then I'd walk, then I would be walking around saying I was the best in the world. <laughs> Without a doubt, he's, he is something special. He really is. The movement, the movement around the body, you know, it's just superb. The you know, shot selection, are, are, are brilliant. He's not a knuckle artist at all, but I think he punches hard enough. He punches through the target. Like every sort of Europe, Eastern European fighter does the same thing. Even if they're not heavy-handed, they punch right through the target. Lomachenko doesn't seem that way because he's always on the balls with his feet and he's and he's so fast, but he still does. And he that's the third opponent on the trot now. He's made quick. Nicholas Walters just threw just threw the towel in out of frustration and and felt feeling sorry for himself. But Sosa and Mariaga now two tough guys, you know, who, who didn't want to quit, but they had to, because they just didn't know the corners saving him them from themselves. Because they just didn't know what to do. They're getting busted up. And it, and you know and it, and it was it was only one only one fighter in the game for those, those opponents. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't dispute that. The only the only the, the dispute I had was it was obviously with Nicholas Walters when he when he he literally just didn't want to know. And for a guy of that quality, disappointed because he wasn't getting hurt. Where Sosa and Mariater were getting hurt and confused, so I didn't understand that. He, he was brilliant. He like I'll just say the same thing in different words all night, but he was absolutely fantastic and. I pity anyone who's got to come up against him. I can't pick anyone to beat him. No, it's a, again, only size. I only give Mike Garcia a, 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 a chance because of the, actually, cause he's he's really he's a he's a massive. He's not massive, but he seems like a big lightweight now. Even though he, even though he did start his career featherweight, so you know there's there's an argument there that he's moved up like like just like um, Lomachenko wants to. Even Lenaris, he started up his his, his career as a fellow as well. So there's always arguments there, and they sort of all started this at the same weight. And then there are the fights you want to see, and there are the fights where he will get that. No, I think he's one of the best in the world, pound for pound. But he beats one of their names, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he gets that rubber stamp by everybody.
3: Yeah, I certainly agree. But no, very dominant performance. Um, the 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 showboating, I mean some people, you know, fans of it. I I thought it was quite good. It's, it makes it a little bit exciting but no, very clever. You know, again, the, the footwork is just unbelievable. He, he yeah. breaks people's hearts, doesn't he? And as you say there, are three people quitting. I remember actually having Jason Sosa on this show and he was just telling me how really good he is and how unbelievable um, and how much of a hard task he is once he's in front of you, uh, you know, throwing punches at will, if you like, and controlling everything. Um, it's funny also that you should mention Marvin Hagler because somebody that, as you said there, he had a couple of easy touches, somebody uh, that we'll be speaking to later on in this show's father was an opponent of Marvin Hagler so it was just a bit of a strange coincidence there right moving on now from Los Angeles the last uh, the last bill to mention from last weekend was at the Claridge Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City Jersey USA um yeah, one fight to mention on this one. The heavyweight, Zili Zhang. I'm probably saying that a bit wrong. He's a Chinese. He was Olympian. He was an Olympian. Um, he picked up a TKO in round one against a man called Nick Wivas. Nick Guivas was only 13-7 and seven with two draws, but he was down twice in that first round. And uh, the Chinaman, Zhang, now becomes the quickest man to have stopped him, I think, Big Baby Miller maybe took two rounds to get rid of him, so Zhang now moves to 17, and oh, he's a six foot six southpaw. I'd like to see him in some big fights down the line. Right, that really wraps up the review, and That's all the action from last week. There's one last thing to do just before we end part one, and that, of course, is to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome another boxer out of the hotbed of boxing, which is Philadelphia. It's, of course, heavyweight contender Brian Jennings. Brian, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thank you, man. It's
3: a pleasure. Hey, it's my pleasure, Brian. It truly is. So, Brian, first things first. You've been out of the ring since 2015. That was a bit of a bad year for you in terms of results. However, losing to Vladimir Klitschko and then to the still undefeated Lewis Ortiz is really no shame. What do you remember from those fights, B.Y.? And what have you been up to in your time out of the ring?
2: Uh,
0: well, I mean, I, I re- of course I remember them fights differently. Uh but you know being outside of the ring you know i had had other issues you know that wasn't you know that wasn't my fault you know um you know ever since I've been off, I've been learning the game a little bit a whole lot more, and uh you know it's just things that you know some things you just can't control, but uh you know you're always supposed to you know keep your keep your head straight, you know stay mentally prepared and you know and focus focus on the future you know that's what I've been doing you know uh other things i I had no control over.
3: Now, you're returning to the ring on the 19th of this month against Daniel Martz. Now, Daniel is seven years younger than you. He's got a record of 15 and four with one draw. He's also four and a half inches taller than you. He's six foot seven and a half, if I'm not mistaken. The one standout name on his resume, however, is the current WBO heavyweight world champion, Joseph Parker. Joseph Parker stopped him inside the first round. Um, What are you expecting from your opponent? And what should we expect to see from you come August? 19th?
0: Well, I mean, what I'm expecting from my opponent is, you know, it's for him to actually fight, you know. You know, I expect every fighter, you know, to go in there and, you know, you know, you and try to do their best. But, you know, the boxing game is something that you can't necessarily predict. Only thing you can do is actually, you know, know how hard you worked, know your preparations, and, you know, and even even still, you know, there are other things that, you know, Hey, you just can't predict. But you know, I always go in, give a fight. You know, but what I'm expecting is just, you know, I'm 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 expecting a fight. You know, uh, it's been 20 months since I've been out of the ring, and uh, you know, hope hope hopefully hopefully which which I know for sure. But hopefully, things uh, haven't things haven't done much damage, and I haven't you know I haven't been out too long. So you know, uh, I'm just expecting a fight. I'm always expecting a fight.
3: And as you just touched on there, 20 months outside the ring, B.Y., in that time, I mean, I know that you just said that, you know, you've, you've, you've learned a lot of things in that time, you've worked on a lot of things. Has it been a frustrating time to be out the ring that long at all?
0: Um, well, the time wasn't necessarily, like, frustrating, just literally being out of the ring. It was pretty much just being, like, in business, you know. Um, and then also with, uh, you know, you know with just literally just, like, figuring out life, you know, being, you know, being, being indecisive about a few things, certain things haven't really came into fruition. So you're just looking at it like, you know what, I'm not really sure if, uh, you know, you know, if, 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 I mean, but some, I mean, but most of the time, you know, the layoff would do you good. Because I, I can admit that I've learned more in the year of 2016 than I, than I did in my whole entire damn life. Like literally that has anything to do with, you know, pertaining to living and, and, and adjusting and experience.
3: Okay, that's very good to hear you say that actually, because it can go either way. Sometimes it can be very frustrating and annoying, and you know, it can do your career bad. But if you're learning things while you're out the ring, obviously that's extremely important. So I'm happy to hear you say that. Now, due to the inactivity, Brian, do you feel that you'll only probably fight just the once in this calendar year?
0: Uh, I'm not sure. You know, um, um, the plan the plan is, you know, I mean my plan is to try to get in there as many uh-huh. times as I want. You know, um so if I fight in August, I mean Shoot. I mean you know, once 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 the out you know, depending on the outcome, September is is literally a possibility for me. You know, um I'm really the type of fighter that can fight, you know, every every three or four weeks. You know, um I think I think I think that's something that, that I would like to instill and in, you know, even even though the opponents might not be, you know, that worthy of of name, but you know, for somebody that's literally fighting and being that active, it's 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 all, it's another good thing for boxing, and you know, it, it it creates it creates the market, the marketing, you know, playing and schemes, and you know, it, it it pretty much it'll do me good justice if I keep, you know, stay active and keep in there. But you know, I mean, hey, I mean, who knows, man? It's about, I, I didn't I never knew I could be sitting out 20 months like so I mean who knows
3: Yeah it would be good to see you active again cuz like I say I think a lot of people kind of rip you off for losing two fights, you know, back to back. But when you look at who you lost to, there's completely no shame in that, as I said at the, at the start of the show. Now, on the same night as you on the 19th of this month, and even better than that, in the same venue as you, one of your foes, Dillian White, I know that you had a bit of a run in when you was over here in the UK. He's obviously fighting on the same card. What do you make of Dillian White, Brian, after, you know, kind of meeting him over here in the UK and now fighting on the same bill as him. What's your what's your thoughts on him as a person, as a boxer? I mean,
0: I don't know. I I guess I guess as a person still still haven't still haven't met that person. You know, um as a boxer, you know, I, I, I kinda think he does things just you know, just for the marketing parts of it. You know, um then again he might be a little bit throwed off. Um but you know it's just I don't I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know. Um, Never really paid attention to him, um, and you know, especially till after you know, especially before you know we actually like physically met. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know him, so I, I don't, I don't know his capabilities. I don't, I don't, I don't know it. you know. Um, but I do know, you know, he, he, you know, stirred up some things and you know, been been real disrespectful. But you know, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't like I said, man, I don't really know, dude. So I don't really know his aim. I don't know if that's him for real. I
3: don't
0: know if he's just acting. Yeah, I don't don't, don't play with things like that.
3: Okay, okay, fair enough. Now, moving on to uh, another fight that actually happened a couple weeks back now. A fight where, really and truly, your name's in that kind of mix. Gerald Washington took on Jarrell Miller. Now, Jarrell Miller was on our show last week. Is that a fight that you watched? If so, what did you think of that? I
0: didn't watch it, but I... uh... But I was interested in it um i kind of i kind of i kind of almost knew what the outcome was going to be um you know based based on me um you know me knowing pretty much i mean me 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 knowing Gerald i mean you know me been, me literally been working with Gerald before um and then you know me paying attention to Jarrell, um I kind of knew the outcome already and um, I was kind of right well, not kinda, but not kind of i was right
3: and is that a fight that you can see yourself in? In the you know in the near future, is that a fight that you fancy? With the winner of that fight obviously being Big Baby Miller, is that a fight that is he on your radar, or have you have you not really got a radar at the moment?
0: No, I don't really have a radar. Um, you know, me me and Jarrell, we're kind of like two two of the same type of people. Um, you know, when I when I first first met him, you know, physically, you know, we had this we had this thing because you know we. We had we went back and forth a couple of times over the internet. And you know, when you meet somebody in pub in public, you know, in person, you know, it was kinda of different. So, you know, we had this little thing. But you know, I I I look at him as kind of being like me. He's a little more he's a little more raw than me in the sense of where though he's like his chill his chill button is a little more is a little more a little more off than mine, you know. Um but, you know, I, I, I mean you know he, he 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 wants the best you know he's the type of fighter that you know that wants to fight the best and i i don't I don't really think that a fight with me and him really honestly like not not even out of respect uh as far as I could for him for him personally I just think that you know two fighters that that are always willing to fight somebody shouldn't just get together like we should be forcing these other people that don't ever want to fight nobody or forcing these people that duck at people like force them to fight guys like us. Like you know, um, because that don't do nothing but, you know, just mess the game up. I mean, look at me. They say they, they say they forgot about me. it's like, oh, I was the only person willing to fight OT despite them coming at me four times that year and despite me arguing the fact that he just got off of you know, um you know he just got off a of suspension for you know, for failing, for felon drug tests and stuff like that. It's like damn I just us Clisco, we did good. And uh, you know, like damn, like why do I have to be forced to? just, you know, I am threatened with, oh, if you don't fight, then you'll be sitting for a long time. And I was like, all right, well, I fought him, and I still sat for a fucking long time. So, you know, I just think that game is pretty much just separated, and you know, between guys that that want it and guys that's just like happy to have it. We, I, 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 I don't, I don't see myself. He, he's not on my radar. He's not on my radar per se, and I'm not going to say I won't. I don't ever see myself fighting him. 'cause this is the sport, this is the competition, but you know, he's not necessarily on my radar.
3: Okay, fair enough. No, interesting standpoint there. Now, it was announced last week that Vladimir Klitschko, a former opponent of yourself, has announced his retirement. The last time we saw him in a ring was obviously against Anthony Joshua. It was a really, really fun-filled fight. What's your thoughts on him retiring, BY? I believe he'll be a man that people will appreciate a lot in years to come. It sounds crazy to to actually say that some people, uh, you know, don't really rate him.
0: I mean... We're living in this. This is the year 2017. Um, you won't. You won't get no respect. You won't get any respect. Um, and as the time go on, people's perspectives change. The errors change. Um, people's knowledge of the game change, and people's respect level is just on zero. They have no idea what greatness looks like. They don't know what it. They don't know what it. What it. What it sounds like. They don't know what it fights like. You know they don't they don't have any idea. You know uh, if you ask these if you ask majority of the, you know the boxer fans today, you know uh, not necessarily the true boxer fans. We talking about the people that actually make up you know all of the you know the comments and uh, and people that literally fill the seats so up. You ask them who's a who's a, a Ron Lao or you know who's a uh, you know you know who's who's, who's a Mike Weaver like they're not gonna know these they're not gonna know these dudes you know, um uh, and we i I'm just speaking on heavyweight here particularly, but you know, they're not gonna know these dudes. So these are people that are not like deep into history. If they really don't they're really not interested in boxing. They just come to the fight just just because it's a fight and the only thing that they're interested in is is, is just literally just hearing about you know, people getting it's just a fight. They're not they're not really they're not really true boxing fans. So Pisco would never get adjusted. But honestly, uh for a person that really, that really dominated Dominated the heavyweight division for you know for quite some time. Um, you know I, I I can't say he really I can't say he really ducked anybody. Um, I know I know the uh, the opposition you know in the game it just was a it was just open season. But I mean hey, can you blame him? He fought a lot of different people. They pretty much did damage to a lot of other people. So you know um, he beat them. And um, you know for me for me he gets the respect. You know, uh, for his career, you know, a person that you know just just been so dominant for so long, and you know, in this tough sport that I, that, I, that I that I'm aware of, you know, he, he gets my respect, but he might he might never get his just due. Never, yeah. he might never get his just due because of the era that we're in and the people that's actually making the votes.
3: Yeah, he's kind of crazy. I think he's, um, you know, he's he's, a, he's an amazing fighter. He's. Uh, in a, in a way, it's kind of sad to see some of the greats from this era hang it up. Um, obviously, just this week, I think um, Juan Manuel Marquez has announced his retirement as well. So it's you know it's, it's a bit of a sadish kind of time for for boxing, especially for those true boxing fans that you touched on. It reminds me when you were saying that it's, it kind of reminds me of the people that say. Like you know the people that haven't really studied the game those people that go yeah yeah Mike Tyson versus Ali yeah Mike Tyson would have knocked him out in two runs that's the kind of people that I think you're talking about these guys who don't really know their history too well you know
0: yeah, 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 and that's exactly
3: what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I completely understand that. Now, last couple of questions for you. Now, by I actually met you obviously in March s- surrounding the Hay and, and Bellew fight. You were part of Hayes' team. What a mad night that turned out to be! If the rematch does come off, how do you see that fight playing out?
0: Well, um, the rematch. Well, with with David being a hundred percent, you know, I think the rematch will definitely play out well. Um, I just think that he suffered a very fucking painful fucking injury like because he was trying I think I think I think I think I think the fight really really to be honest with you back factor I think the fight really got into David's head a little bit too much um, because we also saw David do things that was just like oh like relax like come on chill like yo 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 chill out you know because he tried to literally just take his head off as if as if Tony was literally just going to be there for that. Like, like those are things that you know a, a more experienced, more polished sponsor such as him, such as you know David himself, the old or the older David. You know what? It pretty much took his time with, you know, set that up a little, a little more than that. So you know, um, I think that I think that certain things that he did in the fight actually caused his injury. Um, just despite being, despite being a little, you know, maybe a little hurt or maybe a little injury. You know, previously but I just think that you know um, I just think that he really didn't fight 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 the fight that he needed to fight. I think he fought out I think it was it was a very hyped fight and I just think that he really, really, really wanted to get him out of there and he pretty much lost his excuse me lost his cool and he just he just wasn't the David Hay that we used to see him. Now if David Hay could be hundred percent, you know, um, focused, you know, and just literally just use his boxing ability you know uh, the technique, even though he's even though he's a little older, but you know technique can still outdo you know uh, you know you know, some young talent. Um, the only thing we have to do is just literally just it's the it's the science, it's the sweet science, you know, the jab. But the jab can stop a lot of things. And you know, if you could protect the jab, you can do whatever you do, you know, you, you you can be a good technician. You you can you can you can actually do it. But I don't know if I don't know if the time you know, or the age of David Hay can actually be 100% anymore. But the best that he can be, who knows uh, how he recovers from this from this injury. But I do, I would I would say so myself that the old David Hay would have definitely be Tony DeLille. And, you know, I just think that time, injuries, and things just literally caught up to David. So we can't really have like a, you know, 100% you know, opinion on what will happen in the next fight because we don't know we don't know how he's going to recover
3: yeah, it was it was certainly a very strange fight. It was it was you know a David Hay that I've certainly never seen fight. He's never he's never just thrown his boxing skills out the window and tried to look for the knockout like that. So uh, yeah, it was it was quite yeah. incredible. Hopefully, we do see a rematch though. Um, another matchup that could potentially take place: a former opponent of yourself, Luis Ortiz. He may be taking on Deontay Wilder. I don't think it will end up happening, but if it did happen, how do you see that fight playing out, B. Y.
0: Wilder is so rangy, so wild, and so so strong um, that you know his punches, his punches can easily just keep somebody off, you know, or keep somebody guessing, you know, because he definitely does has the punch and power. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what that would be like because um, I've never really seen Ortiz fight. I'm not, I'm not saying box. I'm talking about like fight. Like he fought me, but he didn't have, he didn't really. He fought me because I brought it to him. Now, a person like Deontay Wilder, you have to bring the fight to Deontay Wilder. I'm I'm not really sure how good you know Ortiz can actually you know apply the pressure, keep it close, you know, uh, duck some shots as well, and things like that. Ortiz can definitely box, and you know if you stand there right in front of me, or if you you know if you do you know you know or if you be or if you just be an open target, you know you can definitely he could definitely be be dominant, but. I'm not sure about running into some shit that, that, that Wilder is just going to be, you know, going to throw. I mean, it's, it'll be definitely, it'll definitely be an interesting fight. It'll be one of those fights you just have to see. Um, they just literally just play out the way they play out, stay on the edge of your seat Because anything can happen with Wilder. And, you know, when you mention it, Wilder, it just literally gets confusing. Because there's a type of dude who's not good, but he's just he's, just, he's, he's just gifted with, you know, with with the power and you know um, in the size and the motherfucker would knock you the fuck out (laughs)
1: for
0: sure so you know it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of awkward you know uh, as skilled as Ortiz is you know um, it's just hard to really it's just hard to really
3: say yeah it's just hard to really say I agree I agree you know you could probably pick about 10 15 maybe even 20 heavyweights at the top of the list that you could say really and truly they got the skills to beat him but can they stay away from that big right hand <laughs> that's the question because if yeah. he lands it it's night. um right the last two questions for you By. i I'm asking everybody about this Triple G and Canelo what's your prediction on that one I've got to ask everybody huge fight for next month
0: um I'm gonna go with Canelo um Danny Jacobs pretty much gave a blueprint to a to a uh you know, you know, to Triple G. Um and literally just by being that close, you know, or literally bringing a fight to him in that way, you know, I think Triple G pretty much you know, he possesses a lot more power when he's actually stalking. Um and Canelo's pretty good in the pocket. Um and I think that Canelo will be able to take the power of the shots that are close. Now Canelo tries to box, which he can, but I'm just saying if if, if, if Triple G stalks better than Canelo box boxes, uh Triple G just has that range and you know, you know, just land them good shots and I, I don't I don't know know. Triple G is a one shot one shot type of dude too. But I just think that more so in the pocket, you know, uh being ranky, in and out, you know, uh using a little bit of angles which 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 Canelo does okay, but his footwork is not necessarily good enough to really get out of the way a lot of the times. But uh, I'm 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 gonna go with Canelo within the pocket, some shots, and you know Canelo those five six punch combinations, and and I, I I'm gonna go with Canelo.
3: And the final real question for you now, B. Y. Before we let you go, I ask everybody this question when we speak to somebody from overseas. I want to ask you, who's your favorite UK fighter of any era? Can be way retired, can be still active, any era you like. Favorite UK fighter?
0: Uh, favorite UK fighter of any era? Lennox Lewis. Yeah? Yeah, Lennox Lewis.
3: Any reason why?
0: I don't even, I mean, I don't, I'm, 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 I'm biased because Lennox is a great friend of mine, but, but also, you know, and also a great heavyweight uh great heavyweight that has taught me uh, great heavyweight that has assisted me in and a lot of different things and um more so when i give an analysis on individuals you know i don't know what they do at home you know i don't know who they are outside of the ring somebody might be a pedophile or rapist or or just a just a crook or whatever but we can only like literally just classify them for who they are in the ring but for me i like to classify people more of a people person. That's why I like people like Andre Ward because I know him personally. I like people like Bernard Hopkins because I know him personally and I know the ins and the outs and the and the character and the demeanor of these of these dudes. Same with Lennox. He's one hundred. And Lennox Lewis
3: Linux, a Len- is a man. Yeah, Lennox Lewis is is a popular answer. To be completely honest, we get we get people saying Lennox Lewis. Sometimes we get uh, the odd the odd Ricky Hatton, and most of the time, the most popular answer is Prince Nassim Hamid, one of the lower weights. Obviously, people were uh, people really liked his style. Right? Anything that you want to say at all to our listeners at all, Brian? Just before we let you go, anything you want to say?
0: Well, I mean, uh, appreciate the listeners for you know listening and tuning in all the way to the end. Um, this is your boy Brian B.Y. Jennings uh, August 19th it's definitely going to be a show um, you know, I'm def- definitely going to put on and do what I need to do um, You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at B.Y. Jennings Best believe next to the in the world.
3: Absolutely Okay listen Brian it's been a pleasure speaking with you Thank you for giving us some of your time Best of luck for your fight next weekend and we're going to keep an eye out for what's next with you
0: Okay appreciate it Thank you
3: Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part is usually the preview part, but there's literally no action this week. So, there's no boxing. We're all going to be able to put our feet up over the weekend, hopefully. It's not it's not too much of a stressful one, but we're just going to move on now to the news. There's been a bit of news this, this week. Um, I'm going to start with three really good fighters, Barry, that have retired pretty much in the last week or so. Obviously, Vladimir Klitschko being one of them, also... Um, Marquez, Juan Manuel Marquez has decided to hang up his gloves, even though really and truly he could have probably done it, you know, a couple of years ago. He hasn't fought for quite a while now, and also one that pretty much shocked me quite a bit. Tim Bradley's decided to to call it a day as well and to hang up his gloves. Um, I'm just really gonna gonna give a sentence on each of them, Barry. I think that you know, Vladimir Klitschko, he, he kind of rolled back the clock there against Anthony Joshua, putting a perf- you know a fantastic performance. Really, really exciting fight. If the rematch would have happened, I really just don't know because I really am one of those firm believers that he had Joshua in so much trouble in that fight, and I'm, I'm not overly impressed with the performance and the win from Joshua. I've oh. always said all along that. that no, no, Barry. I, I think I, the see, Tyson
2: Fury I win was he, better. Oh, no, the Tyson Fury because Tyson Fury beat beat the Klitschko who no one thought any could be beat. That's that's why. So it goes down to me as a as a better win overall. But I think there were more question. Well, actually, I think the I think the Joshua win was a tremendous win. Oh
3: no, it was, I think
2: it was. because because he got hurt and you know and he had to fight under pressure and he showed what he had in his in his heart he had that gut check where you, you know when you, where, where your ball can go and for any weight but for big weights when you're getting hurt and they're not used to getting hit these big guys as much as the smaller guys do and, and he and he he dug it out and, and I think you know that that's something you can train you can't train for that you either got it or you haven't and now he goes into every fight now and opponents know that if they hurt him he's going to come back he's going to come he fires back he doesn't. He doesn't look for a way out. He doesn't look to hold. Doesn't look to, look to hide. He fires back, and that's and ask a dangerous opponent. You gotta hurt him and keep him hurt. And I thought it was a tremendous win. I look. Like, I I sort of half thought that. I I thought that critical might have, might have won that fight. I gotta be honest. I so wanted I. Joshua to win, of, of course. But I, I sort of thought. I think. I think he's gonna win critical I think he might. Just style wise, and and I think I thought he would maybe get older Joshua, but I think it was a great win. I think and I think it's the right time to retire as well because the rematch. I'm not sure if he would have got the same success, Klitschko, though you, know, he's, you know, he might have been the same sort of fight. But ultimately, he, he, uh, Klitschko goes on as an all-time great heavyweight because of longevity and, and how oh, he dominated the division. I know it might have been a, a really poor time for quality, maybe. That's what people will say. But you can only fight using plenty when he dominated the division in his, in his era. And and the second longest reign as a champion after Joe Louis. And and so he goes on as a a Hall of Famer right there. But he never got the respect of being a warrior. But he got it in that fight, in that defeat. He got the respect of being a warrior because he he actually had to show something for the first time in his career. And I think that's the best way to retire because then he ticked every box. It might be a loss, but he gained more respect for that loss than he did for most of his wins. And I thought it was a great time to retire because he'd only be fighting for the money and he's got enough of that and, I, and, I, and he's got a great career and he's been a great servant and he's been more than anything he's been a great role model and he's passed that mantle onto another great role model I think in Anthony Joshua they said we all want to see Tyson Fury back because he's still the heir apparent because you know, right now until Tyson gets his act together Anthony Joshua is the man
3: yeah, no, you can't disagree with that. I just think that um, you're right. You know the the fight it was it was a good opportunity for him to retire. I remember actually saying to um, Jonathan Banks, his trainer, on this show as well. I think actually, I think it was just off air. Actually, I was saying to him, "Listen, if this rematch happens, it really needs to happen as soon as possible because you know we can't have Vlad even more inactive. We, you know, Joshua would have learnt from that, from that, from that win there. You know, getting up and he's going to be a lot better next time in the rematch." Match, it needs to happen as soon as possible, and he agreed with me on that. And when it was kind of taking quite a while to get over the line, even though from what we're all being told, talks were you know very progressed, and you know, Eddie Hearn was talking like it was a dead cert for even had a date for it in, in, in the United States. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, a, a good time to retire, I suppose. But I don't know, in that fight, I just think that it kind of proved to me that. Vlad being in his prime if he was in the ring that night it'd have been a different story. But yeah, uh, yeah, I but, just I'm pretty and, I'm
2: pretty sure of that. But I am pretty sure of that and I think you know, and I think the best Vlad beats the best Joshua. But Joshua I probably haven't got to his peak yet, so that's yeah. a good thing. And but no, th- listen, time is everything. Would have Joe Carzaghi, who I love and was a great fighter, would he have beat the Eubank of five years before that, maybe? You know, at that at that stage of his career, his first world title fight, maybe not. You know, you just don't know, do you? You Would Steve Collins have beaten Nigel Benn if Nigel Benn was four years younger and fresher? Who knows? He might have, but you just don't know. These are questions. that, you know, you just timing is everything. It's, I'm, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the walking example of timing because I, I won a world title where two guys drew for the title and I had to take a little rest, and I fought boxer, and they, they couldn't get a winner, so I. I sneaked in there. I, I took because either one of those fighters would, would have been a massive favourite to beat me. So you know, timing is everything in sport. It really is. You're lucky sometimes, sometimes you're unlucky. You see fighters who, won. in the boxing industry, Michael, Michael Brody, fantastic fighter. You know, just couldn't get the timing right. Go, was unlucky in, in a couple of fights, and I couldn't get the timing right after that thing. And against you know, when he moved to the featherweight, came up against good fighters, and I just couldn't get that world title win. But maybe couple of years after a couple of years earlier he might have been a two way world champion, and that's how it goes but either way i think it's it is how it is and I, but I I also think the other names you mentioned there Timothy Bradley has had a fantastic career, sort of goes understated a lot i think his his career but he, he had some great wins you know, obviously he beat packy Abbott uh, but obviously that that was always always controversial the first fight, and it took a bit of, and i think his his legacy probably suffers because of that but it's not his fault that he was a he was a guy who could tough it out, fast hands. You know, he was brave. He could fight when he was hurt, and and, I, and, and he's got a career now after boxing, and obviously calling fights for for the ESPN. So he's a he, he, and, and a proper family man, and we all you know. You've seen behind the scenes some of those shows, behind the scenes for Timothy Bradley. Some looks like a real lovely, lovely man, and, and so you, you're happy for the success that he's had. And and of course, Juan Manuel Marquez was a guy who's was, who's was just one of the best Mexicans of all time, and, and saying that about Mexican is high praise indeed, because for many years he was a sublime boxer, but he was in the shadow of Barrera and Morales for so long, you know, that he was almost, as, he, he was another clear that was going to be so understated, because he had two Mexican legends just in front of him for so long, but he stepped out of that shadow, and, you know, some of his, you know, the way being an aggressive counterpuncher is a very difficult thing to be, and he was the master, maybe one of the best ever at being an aggressive counterpuncher And he he was just he, he adapted his style as he moved up the weights, and, you know, got more exciting to sell himself, but still kept that 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 boxing brain and 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 the the way he could he could figure a fight it out quite easily. And obviously a knockout of Pacquiao when he was unlucky with a few other fights a few of the other fights with Pacquiao, got the knockout there, And 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 I guess he retires now a wealthy. and a a healthy man, which is
3: something that we all want. Absolutely. As you say there, Marquez, a man that, you know, he he, he had that Mexican uh, reputation of just being one of those guys, one of those, he goes down really and truly in the books as one of the best Mexican fighters of all time for me. Um, You know, many good wins on his resume. As for Tim Bradley, I feel a little bit, I don't know, I don't know, I feel a little bit funny about this because he actually stated that, After his fight with Provodnikov, which, you know, he really could have got stopped... Badly in that, in that 12th yeah, round. Course, he got yeah. hurt a lot. He actually went on to say that after that fight, he was slurring his speech a little bit, and it took a few weeks for him to recover. And he decided that he wasn't going to fight on too long. Well, he actually ended up fighting for another three years, so uh, <laughs> that didn't make too much sense. But and, uh, and after that, he ended up taking on, as we just say there, um, Juan Manuel Marquez. He went on, he went on to beat him in, in a pretty close fight, but a really good win. Then, of course, he fought... Pacquiao twice, losing both fights. He he fought um, Diego Chavez, got a win over Brandon Rios and Jesse Vargas. Not in any particular order, of those fights there, but it just goes to show he, he had many fights after that fight and it's a shame for me because even though he fought the, you know, the guys like Jesse Vargas, Brandon Rios, um, I just kind of think that he got so caught up with the Manny Pacquiao fights and don't get me wrong, they would have paid more. So, you know, you can't blame him, but stylistically, he was... One of the top guys at 147, under Manny Pacquiao, under Floyd Mayweather at the time, he could have beaten, you know, if he carried on to fight now, he could have been in there with a chance of beating the likes of Furman's Garcia's, you know, Carnes, Brooks. I, I really, I really rated him. It was just a shame he got caught up with the Manny Pacquiao fights a bit too long. But, you know,
2: how long do you keep going on for? You know, he's had a long career, you know, he won a fellow against Junior Wickers you know, when were, I can't remember how, how long ago that was. Two thousand and four, maybe. I'm just guessing roughly.
3: Two thousand and eight. So Two
2: thousand and eight. I think it's it's a long, it's a long career to have. You know, that that what's that? That's nine years ago. There. You know, the yeah. you know, careers had shut up. My my career, my career in total was was less than was less than ten. It was it was somewhat nine years or something. And with, with with a couple of years out there in between that. So you know, the careers don't don't span too long. So he you, was there, and you're hanging on for the money forever. You know, and you can beat these guys but if the desire's not there the rule's not there you're just going to get hurt but one thing for sure in five years' time the Hall of Fame is going to be Klitschko and Marquez they walk straight in first time ballot. but five definitely. years they go straight in Bradley he probably doesn't make it but, but maybe he does in years to come but I'd I be I, maybe fall falls this short but, but the two Hall of Famers retired this year for me and that's uh, Klitschko and, and Juan Manuel Marquez
3: definitely absolutely so the Desert Storm, Tim Bradley retires with a record of 33-2 and two with one draw, only losing to one man, of course, that man being Manny Pacquiao. And also, as we said, Juan Manuel Marquez retires with a record of 56 wins, seven losses and one draw. He never got stopped in his career. And of those 56 wins, 40 come in by way of knockout. And as for Vladimir Klitschko, last, um, last thing I want to say on him um, I think that he's a guy where I know that many people knock the era that he reigned in, but he was so dominant. I think he's a heavyweight where people will look back in years to come and and appreciate him more. You know, I think he's a guy that, in in some ways, it, it sounds kind of crazy, but to say he's he's kind of underappreciated, even though he had the long reign. And he of of course retires with a record of sixty four wins, fifty three by knockout, and five losses. Um, 69 fights in total a decent number to retire on there um, right, leaving the retired retired uh, guys alone now, two other pieces of news um, first one I want to talk about, you actually said it as well Barry uh, Vladimir Klitschko has passed over the torch to a great role model Anthony Joshua, however if the recent claims with the Ho Amir Khan thing are true he's not such a great role model what are we making of this situation?
2: Uh, funny. It's, it, it's not funny, it's not funny if it's, if it's really happening but I, it's, like, I've seen, I've, I thought it was like it, it was a wind-up and now I thought it was a hack and then we've seen a video of Vamia Khan I guess you've seen it on social media him saying, I wasn't hacked you know, he's sort of confirming it I think, I'm not quite sure but it seems a little bit unrealistic to me I can't, I, I find it hard to, to believe that, that he has because why does he need to? You know, I don't know, you know, if he has, then, you know, I can't I can't see it, first of all, if he has, then, you know, I don't want to call him a name, but he not seem quite right. You know, if you know, for the, I understand why guys. some guys will go with anyone, because he's just happy to have, have attention, I understand that, more than most people. But, you know, if you can pick most women, like, I don't think Andy Joshua suffers for getting a date. If if he's, you know, whether he's into men or women or, or, or transgender, I don't know, but whatever he's into, no, but you don't know, you know, he can't assume anything, of course. So, but whatever he's, whatever, I don't, I doubt he suffers. He's famous, you know, he's a good looking guy, he's, he's full of muscles, he's six foot six. I'd go out with him, you know. <laughs> so, you know, he, he, won't, he, won't, he won't suffer to get it. So, why would he want to go with someone's wife, especially someone with a high profile wife? Well, you, I can't see it, uh, to be honest. Well, listen, mm. boxing's a crazy business, and and nothing, the things we've seen in recent years, nothing would surprise me. But it's been it's been entertaining, been entertaining a couple of days, wasn't it? On on social media, watching uh, Amir lose lose the pot a little bit, and Josh were sort of playing up with the jokes but
3: yeah.
2: maybe boxing. It was uh, in, to be honest. So I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm not the other Pacquiao yeah, um, a thing fight. That was. Um, I'm glad you didn't ask me that.
3: No, do you he's know what I will like, say about that fight? Actually, it's not uh, a fight. Yeah, well it's said. <laughs> no, what I will say about that is um, Paulie Malignaggi's got his own boxing podcast as well. I think it's got, it's yeah. called something like um, I think it's from, Brooklyn, for, from yeah. Brooklyn to the World. That's it. Yeah. And um, he's just released a two-hour episode this week, and I just listened to it last night. And basically, he talks all about. Like, real in real detail. Like I say, it's a two-hour-long thing. It's just for people that are listening to me talk now. You may want to go check that out. He literally talks about everything that happened in the whole camp because, obviously, it's been widely reported. He walked out of the uh, of the training camp, and it's really interesting to hear some of the stories and what had gone on. It's quite shocking, to be honest, uh, that some of the behavior from Conor McGregor. So it's definitely worth checking that out. And the final piece of news, there's a big fight that's been mentioned. Um, it's going to be happening... I can't remember where actually, it's just slipped my mind I should be better than this, but um former world champions are getting in the ring obviously. Anthony Croller, the uh the Manchester favourite, takes on the Scottish former world champion Ricky Burns. It's, yeah, Man- think, is Man- it in Manchester? Manchester? Yeah. Yeah it is, yes, in there. Manchester, yeah. What's your thoughts on that fight, Barry? I just oh. want to give my quick quick take on it. Um, I think. I think. Firstly, well, I think it's. Let me just go. Let me just go, Barry. Let me just in. Crawler <laughs> uh, for me. I think that obviously you know, you know, I don't know. I think crawlers. Those two fights were with Lenares. Even though in the first fight he did okay, the second fight he just you know he just looked he just looked terrible to be honest. But then that is against Lenares. I'm not. I'm not silly, but. Um, Ricky Burns, I've said it for quite a while, even though I remember when you last come on, Barry, I was I kinda sounded like a bit of a hater about Ricky Burns. I'm not he's a really good guy, but I think he's way past it and you know, when we saw him take on in yeah. Dongo, it was just these two guys really that have lost very widely to two top guys in their division and they're getting it on and I'm not overly excited about it. It's definitely what I will say is it's definitely a twelve round fight. No one's getting a stoppage in that fight.
2: Yeah, you would think it would be a twelve-round fight. They both, both, look very resilient. Both can take a good shot, and, and both fit as well. To, to be honest, both train hard. But it's like, I think it's a fantastic fight. It's not, it's not the world-level fight anymore that, that it would have been maybe last year or year before. And you're right, Ricky has gone down from where he was once was, and that's because he stopped using his feet. And you can't. And we spoke with this already earlier on about other fighters. You can't go on forever. But you know he has a realistic and a good chance of winning this fight. I think Ricky Burns did. He can get that that little in and up movement with his feet, that little jiggly stall that he had. You know that it was hard for the boxers to let themselves go. Because Anthony's going to try and you know, as we see with a lot of uh, Joe Gallagher fighters, he's going to get that high tight defence, putting putting pressure on you. You know, little feints, putting pressure on you, looking to block and counter every time you let your hands go. But if, if Ricky can get the footwork back again, then I think he's got a very good chance. But, it's a crawler's resolve that he really changed his style for, to win the world title. And you know, he went from a, from a boxer to an aggressive fight, to an aggressive fight and, and you know, change his style and, and become a world champion because of that. So it's a good fight. It's not, it's not a fight that that's going to, that's going to make any waves in the world scene anymore. I wouldn't have thought, to be honest, that uh, it's a, a domestic fight to go. I think it's, it's a fantastic little scrap.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree on that point. It's uh... Yeah, it's,
2: it's, and it's a it's a seller. It's a seller. Oh, yeah, Andy's got a, got a big name Ricky's one only our second three time world champion, three weight world champion, I should say. So you know, it's, it's it's a seller right
3: there. It's a good little fight. Yeah, and that one is on the seventh of October. So that's at the uh, the MEN Arena, the Manchester Arena, whatever they call it now. Um, but no, you know, decent. It's, it's a decent fight, I suppose. Obviously, as you say, they're just kind of just. Domestic clash That's all That's all i say about it What I have seen I've seen a few polls online And most people Quite a lot of people You know Out of Ricky Burns Winning by knockout Or decision Out of um, Crawler winning by knockout Or decision A hell of a lot of people Are going with Crawler on points And I think that's probably A safe bet from from my standpoint now, even though obviously Ricky's the more you know, he's got the better wins, he's the more experienced guy at that world level. But most people going with Crawler, I think he could be the fresher, even though it sounds a bit mad because he's kind of had like a bit of a uh, his, his career's had a few bits of momentum in it. He? he was, yeah, you know, of course, yeah, he's been a bit stop start. So, um, but no, an intriguing fight nonetheless. Right, anything else you want to say, Barry, at all, before we bring in guest number two?
2: No, Joe, absolutely fantastic. You send it all up, mate. You really have.
3: Excellent. All right, just before we end part two and end the show, ultimately, there's one last thing to do, and that, of course, is to welcome guest number two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome yet another fighter from Philadelphia. It's the undefeated super middleweight prospect and soon-to-be world title challenger, Mr. Jesse Hart. Jesse, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, man, it's a pleasure a real pleasure to be on the show I'm glad to be on the UK and you know uh, glad to get my thoughts on the, about about boxing period
3: yeah absolutely man it's my pleasure to believe me so Jesse first things first I want to I want to delve into your background a little bit I want to ask you a typical opening question in a boxing interview when somebody's speaking with you for the first time how did it all begin how did you get into boxing in the very beginning
1: uh my father my dad Eugene Cyclone Hart he was a uh, one of the top 100 greatest punches of all time. My dad was rated number three in the world. He never landed a title shot. But, um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, uh, that's where it all started with him. It all started with my dad. You know, without my dad, I, I, I wouldn't even be, you know, talking on the show. Um, It just all started with him, man. And when, since I was six years old, uh, he's just been grooming me, grooming me for greatness.
3: And obviously, as you say there, your father, um, for those that don't know, uh, Jesse's father took on the likes of Marvin Hagler. He also shared the ring with Eddie Mustafa Mohammed. And um, as you say there, your dad kind of got you into it when you were six years old. He's still your trainer to this day. So uh, it's it's really good. There's a lot of father-son relationships in boxing. It sounds like your one works really well for you.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um... Uh, you know, it's, it's no is no I have no quarrel with my dad. I mean, we understand each other, so there's a mutual respect, you know, there, you know, is is you're gonna put up or shut up, so
3: Absolutely man. I uh, understand what he thinks you understand what I think. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. Um just before we get onto your pro career, I just want to touch on the fact that you narrowly missed out on the twenty twelve Olympics, is that right? Yes. What, what actually happened there? I know that you uh you, you fought in some of the trials.
1: Um, I fought the Olympic trials here. I won Olympic trials, the actual Olympic trials in Mobile, Alabama. They had this thing called the Reload Tournament if you didn't qualify in the World Championships because you had to win three fights in the World Championships to qualify. So I, I won two in the World Championships and didn't qualify for the actual Olympics. So I had to come fight. I had to come back to the United States in the semi-spots this been my Olympic spot for a second time, and here I lost to a guy named Terrell Goshua Gushay in the finals on a ten ten tiebreaker split. Uh, it was ridiculous. It was a real ridiculous decision. I don't, it was the first time in history that the United States have done something like that, where you already on an Olympics team, you already you know you already solidified your spot because you won Olympic trials. And you gotta re you gotta defend your Olympic spot on the trials after you get it. That's that was unheard of, but hey, the the, the rules is the rules.
3: Yeah, they certainly are. It sounds a bit sounds a bit uh, a bit strange there. So obviously you you turned pro in 2012, and as of now you're 22 and 0 as a pro with 18 knockouts. So it looks like you've got the you know the punch like your dad like your dad had. Who would you say is your best win in your pro career so far, Jesse? Because I was looking down your record, oh. I think it's probably Mike Jimenez on the on uh, the Mayweather-Pacquiao undercard. Am I right?
1: Yeah, but that was that was that was because he was undefeated. But I don't think that's the best fighter I think I've ever fought. The best fighter I think I've I've ever actually been in there with, where well, I felt they skill and they, and they technique is a guy named uh, Samuel Clarkson. He was a southpaw. He's from Texas. I fought him on ESPN. I think I think he had the skills, but they wasn't all the way developed yet, so he didn't really know what he was doing, but. You know, he he's he's after I, after he lost to me, he went on a road to beat the likes of Jerry Odom. He beat a lot of good fighters, he beat a lot of good fighters after he lost to me. Um, he went on to 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 accomplish a lot of great things, Sam B. Clarkson did.
3: Yeah, um, what I will say the 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 one thing that he's got in uh you know in in what's the word I'm looking for in uh. Oh, completely lost me the word. The the one thing he's got, I completely it's completely escaped me the word. He's also a southpaw, is what I'm trying to say. That you're obviously right. your upcoming opponent's also a southpaw, and that fight there, uh, it was it was an eight round unanimous decision for yourself. You actually dropped him as well in round four, so a very wide win. That's good to see. Um, so yeah, let's talk about your fight coming up. You're now. Uh, taking on the WBO world champion the also undefeated Gilberto Ramirez now some say he's the best super middleweight in the division and that is what a lot of people are saying over here despite the UK actually having two of the four titles out there so uh, some of us still say that Ramirez is the number one above George Groves above James DeGaulle and the rest what are your thoughts on him as a fighter Jesse and what do you know about him I
1: respect him as a fighter. Um, I respect what he has done, uh, you know, as a champion. But uh, him being the best super middleweight in the division, I don't, I don't think that's true. I think that still has to be determined because, you know, I don't think he separated himself from the pack, um, just yet. And uh, you know, like I said, you know, September twenty second is his last run, period. In my, in, in my, in, in, in my eyes, so. Uh, we have to see, man. You know, we have to see. I just think – I don't think he's separated himself from the pack just yet. I mean, the kid have not had a knockout or he have not had dropped anybody since 2014. I mean, James DeGale, you know, he's been dropping people and knocking people dead, and he dropped Darrell. He dropped uh, um, that kid, uh, a body jack. I mean, you know, DeGale's been on the road. I mean, you know, he's, he's exciting. Brett Ramirez plays it safe, and uh, I'm not down talking, but I don't think he's the best superman in the division. I wouldn't go that far.
3: Okay. Um, what I will say, obviously, we can't overlook the fact that he's 35-0. and He's got a very nice-looking record. As I said just earlier, you're 22-0. and Somebody's 0 has got to go here. You're both very tall for the weight as well. What are you expecting from him on fight night, and what should we expect from yourself? Oh, I think
1: you're going to... See me. I think he's gonna come in uh, with, with with the same game plan that twenty two other fighters did. I don't got him coming in differently. I got him coming in with the same game plan that twenty two other fighters did. Um, you know to try to keep pressure and get me tired and hope and pray that I you know the later rounds and you know I just I just think he's gonna be like you know he's gonna be wishing on a wishing on a prayer. So. You know, it's it's, it's 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 really a tough stuff like but it's really not. I mean, the kid, the kid, the kid don't think in there. He's still a kid. He's a young kid at that. what twenty six years old. So he's a young kid. You gotta, he got. He is, You know, it's just, it's just it's just it's just like I said. He he's he's not he's not fully developed mentally. I don't think he thinks on his own. I mean, think he does everything that his trainer and himself says do. So that's that's robotic. We call that in Philadelphia robotic mentality. You know, if somebody got to tell you to do something, you got to force it. We're going to have to, we're going, we're going to, I think we're going to make it, we're going to force him to think on his own. Uh, fight night, I think he's going to be in trouble. He knows he's going to be in trouble. I mean, I I, I think, you know, I, I'm just too strong. I think he's going to run to something big. And uh, I think that's going to be the difference in a fight. Uh, if we don't stop him, we got him quit.
3: Okay, big big statement. I, I just said there, obviously, that some people over here say he could be the best at 168. Who do you see as the best man at 168?
1: Well, I I, like I
3: said, for,
1: you know, that's still up for grabs. You know what I mean? That's still up for grabs. It's still to be determined because no one has separated themselves yet. No one has separated themselves yet. I mean, the gal the getting dropped, tooth knocked out, oh, uh, 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 Groves getting knocked out Coming back to win a title uh, WBC, The WBC Super middleweight Is really up for grabs now Cam uh, Smith is going in on a, on, a, on a Tournament, there's a lot of great Super middleweights out there uh, Benavidez is getting ready to fight uh, The kid Floyd got and it's just a lot going on in the division. Is like you know the title is just up for the grabs, and we can't determine because nobody had a long run yet. Nobody had a long run at super middleweight to be the super Bowl week champion. Out of all the champions, no one have a no one had a hellacious run. So we that that's still yet to be determined. You know what I'm saying? To solidify that you got to say a guy like you know who, who had a belt as long as the belt the belts just goes from one hand to the next hand. I mean, uh, I, you have it, I have it. You had like no one had a, had a long run, so that's still yet to be determined. I, I can't even say.
3: All right, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. What are you making of this World Boxing Super Series tournament? Was you ever approached about entering that at all? Yeah, I was approached
1: about it, but I, I was already there. I was already there, uh, rated number one in the debut. I was already, you know, I was already. I had I was, my shot; was had already came so. I'm like, why do I gotta fight these guys who didn't accomplish that? Uh um, what is this gonna accomplish and, and furthermore, where is it gonna to lead to? I mean, you, you, you got Christian Bank Jr. in here, you know, uh you got Cam Smith who had an opportunity to fight for the D B C left that to go in the tournament. I didn't understand that. Um I, 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 I just, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, you know, like I said, I, I don't think nothing of it. If you got an opportunity to be a world champion, I think all the champions should have been in it. If you ask me to to see who's the the real real deal, but none of the champions got in it, got not got involved. So the guys that's in the tournament, are they the real? what is they the cream of the crop of the super middleweight division, or are they just there? See, there's a big difference, man. We got to all look at all that. Is Gilberto Ramirez is not in there? James DeGale not in there? Carl Fry... I mean, uh, uh, the uh, guy, um, what, what his name is? Other guy from the UK.
3: George Groves is in there. If you were gonna Groves, say him, he's Groves, in there.
1: He is. Yeah, yeah, he's in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 well Groves is the only champion I know of, and the yeah. WBC is up for grabs. We got one champion in there. And everybody else, the cream of the crop, not in there. So how can we determine who's the best Super Middleweight after that tournament? Can't determine that. Can't determine. It got to be all the champs. When Andre, when Andre Warford in the Super 6, all the current Super Middleweight superstars was in that same Super 6 tournament. We don't got all the superstars. You know, Frotch was in there. I respect Frotch for that. I respect, uh, um, what's the other kid named, uh, Tesla for that. I respect... Uh, you know, uh, you know Abraham. These guys over there, man. Them guys, them guys got in that at that super middleweight tournament, man. Them guys was in there. No matter if they won or lost, that was the cream of the crop at that time. Now we got different champions that's not in there. Can we really call it a really, really good tournament if we ain't got the, all the champions in there? I mean, you know, how can we be? How can that tournament be respected if they ain't got James DeGale in there? I mean, Olympic gold medalist. World champion. I mean, come on. Let's let's be serious.
3: Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Now, you're not only ranked highly by the WBO. Obviously, this fight is going to be, uh, you know, mandatory. For you. You're the mandatory, you know, number one ranked WBO. But you're also highly ranked with the WBC, as you all know. Uh, obviously as we just touched on there David Benavidez was supposed to be fighting Anthony Durrell. Uh Anthony Durrell was supposed to be fighting Callum Smith It's all been a bit crazy now as you said As as, as well um, David Benavidez is now going to be taking on The guy, I forgot his name but yeah As you said he's he's one of Floyd's uh, fighters um, So yeah You would have actually been in place To fight for that title Had you not have the uh, the Fight with Ramirez signed do you see the Ramirez fight a tougher fight than the Benavidez fight? Who you would have got the call for to fight if your fight hadn't been signed? Bit confusing.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, I believe I would have stepped right in. I've been wanting to fight. Uh, um, I forgot uh, David Benavidez. I don't. I don't. I think he's too young. I think he's just not. I think he's just not. I just think he's just too young to be, you know, in that in that air, in that light, you know, I just think he's just too young, I don't think he's ready yet, I don't think he can be beat, because he's just young, he's a kid, for real, for real, don't get me wrong, he throws a lot of punches, but he's still a kid,
3: yeah, I mean, I will just say, I mean, you know, I'm not going to say he's fought loads of great fighters, but he he never lost a fight as an amateur, albeit he only had 15 fights, but um, yeah, he's undefeated amateur and pro, which is, uh, you know, that's one thing, I suppose, uh, what I do want to ask you, Jesse, as well, we've we've been talking mostly here about UK fighters and stuff like that. I want to ask you, if you could put the top four UK super middleweights in order of the best to, not necessarily the worst, but, you know, one, two, three, and four, uh, one being the best out of James DeGaulle, George Groves, Callum Smith, and Chris Eubank Jr., how would you rate those guys one through to four?
1: Um, I really wouldn't pit Eubanks in here. Oh wow! First off, I would—I mean, I think it's a better. I like Rocky Fielding a lot. Oh really? I like Rocky. I, I and now you want to ask me who I like? I like Rocky. I really like Rocky.
3: Okay. So, I'm but, not so, just
1: saying that. I like Rocky Fielding,
3: man. What did you think of the job that Callum Smith did on him? Because he got him out there in the first round. I obviously. think.
1: I, yeah yeah yeah, but 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 also. Rocky Fielding didn't expect that was a surprise attack. I believe it was a surprise attack. It wasn't like he he wasn't. If he would have knew that Kim Smith, that was an element of surprise. You got to be ready, and Rocky wasn't ready for that. I believe if if he was ready and his eyes was wide open, I think I think would I I just really think it would have went differently. But since his eyes he was trying to warm up, and you know he caught he caught Rocky cold. He caught Rocky cold. Rocky hadn't didn't warm up. So he when he caught Rocky cold like that, it was just like wow, you know, like damn. He caught Rocky cold. What are we going to do now? Type of, it was a that type of ordeal.
3: So uh, let me get this right. So I reckon you're you're probably going to say De number one. Would you put right? Who'd you put number two? Callum Smith or Groves or Rocky? I
1: will pick. I will pick Callum Smith number two
3: and then number three Groves
1: Groves and number four
3: Rocky Felder so Eubank Jr. number five I guess right <laughs> okay okay and another question I, I like to ask um, US fighters mainly because there's obviously so many fighters over there what types of guys Jesse have you sparred with have you sparred any big name guys that we might have heard of no, not just for this campaign really. ever you know like f- amateur anything no names you would've heard of now.
1: Um, no, not really. Uh, I don't. The big names don't never call me for sparring. <laughs> I never got called for sparring from the big name guys because they know how I work in the gym. If everybody hears how I work in the gym. I I take it like a fight. Like I I not I knocked several of my sparring partners out. Uh, this week. Oh wow. Alone. So, so when they call me for sparring or they call me for anything, and I'm not lying to you, uh, they know it's going to be hard work. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it, so I, I haven't worked with anybody as a name yet, as a, as a big superstar name status, however you want to call it, because them guys know I work hard. Okay. So I've been working with guys that are 17 and 0, 16 and 0. I worked with a guy named Derek Webster. Yeah. Right. Uh you ever heard of him? He's from Glassboro, New Jersey.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've
1: heard um, of I work with, with Marcus Brown this week. Uh, he's coming from New York, Southpaw. So I, I think, them, you know, nobody else. You know, they don't want to box. They don't like to box me. All right, yeah. I, I go. I, I spar. I spar too hard. I don't. I don't. I don't know what that means. Like that's what they say. <laughs>
3: There's no, there's no, there's no second gear. It's just all done in at uh, one pace. You don't know how to play right. Flight, so right, so, right, so right. So right. I'm
1: always, I'm always challenging myself. I can't <laughs> right. really like, I, I ain't got a chance to let up. You know, I, I just gotta just, ch- I, I feel like I gotta challenge myself. I don't know why it's like that with me, but.
3: <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I'll put the word out. I'll make sure no one, no one over here rings you up for sparring over. <laughs> uh, another another super fight I've got to ask you about. We're asking everybody about this one, actually. Everybody we speak to, we cannot get them off the phone without asking their opinion. Triple G against Canelo. Everybody's split. How do you see it, Jesse? Who wins that one?
1: Um, I think Triple G is going to win that one. For me, on basis, simple fact, Canelo waits in that pocket shell defense too too much. He waits in that he, he gets in that defense, he stays in that shell just a little too long for me. Like he, he don't box. He don't show he didn't show me no box. He stays in that shell a little too long for me and Triple G is a dangerous man in that. Like dangerous if you wait around for him. You gotta box him, move him, you gotta do a lot to him to razzle him up. I think sort of like how Danny Jacobs did. You gotta you gotta actually do that to him. You can't you can't you know you can't just do it. You gotta do a lot of maneuvering. You can't do you know you just can't you just can't just do wait in that pocket that one thing and throw left hooks and you know throw a little flurry fight in spurts. I think Canulo is a fighter that fight in spurts. So you can't fight and spurts with him. You gotta do a lot. We gotta do multiple things with him. Be in tip top condition when you fight triple. Gennady uh, Golovkin. I just I like Gennady in that fight.
3: And a question again that we have to ask everybody that we speak to from overseas. I want to ask your favourite UK fighter, Jesse, from any era can, can you know can still be boxing now? It can be retired fifty, sixty years ago. Any time, any era. Your favourite UK fighter?
1: Um, my favourite UK fighter is Anthony Joshua.
3: Really, you go with with one that's uh, that's still boxing now? Yeah.
1: Yes, I like that kid, uh, and at the same time, I like him so much I want to fight him. <laughs> that's that sounds weird, but that's the truth. Like I put up on Twitter, I said I would I would like to like fight Anthony Joshua one day. What
3: like, kind I like of him weight? Too much. Like, huh? What kind of weight would that be at? Uh
1: man, heavyweight. I I don't you know I I I try to put the weight on as much as I can, and you know hopefully move up and try to do that one day i would like to share the ring with him wow. i like how he he brings you he brings that type of he brings what i want he brings that near-death experience in there because he i i like his shot like you know with clinical hitting he went down but he ain't stay down like he brings that near death like he's he he's gonna fight and try to bring you within an inch of your life and that's what i want to feel. that's something i want to feel one day I like how he fight. It, it 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 does something to me. It makes me want to fight. It it, it, it drives me to it. I think that fighter can pull me to a different level. You know, Roy Jones did it. You know, with uh, Ruiz. You know, Bob Fitzgerald did it in, back in the 16, uh, 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 1960s or whatever. He went to heavyweight from you know middleweight. Uh, I just think that 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 would be a, a hell of an intriguing fight and that's my favorite UK fighter as of right now Andy Joshua. You know, I like the way I like how he fights. He fights hard, he fights good, and he he takes gambles. And uh that's what that's the type of that's the type of fighter that, you know, I would want to I would want to that's my favorite fighter basically from the UK.
3: Jesse, I think you're probably the first and last guy that's actually came onto this show and said you actually want a near-death experience in the ring. I mean, I like you, but you sound quite crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing.
1: I mean, boxing is crazy. I mean, boxing to get it, they, they they actually fathom to get in that ring and you know try to fight guys and you know you know you can possibly be you know go brain dead one day or not leave the ring with with all your faculties. You know that's 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 crazy. I mean, we look at we got a we got a guy over here named uh, Parabon. I mean, God just you know he's in a wheelchair now and he's you know a little messed up from a fight. I think you heard of him. I know you all heard of him over there.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the he's the guy. Um, I think he's got a sister who's who's been supporting him a lot. Am I right with with that? Is that is that the same guy?
1: Yeah, he's getting he's been getting a lot of support. I think you know if I'm not the,
3: mistaken, hasn't Willie Monroe Junior got quite attached to him?
1: Yeah, yeah, Willie Monroe Jr. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay, yeah. And
1: another guy another guy that went brain dead was um Macal, uh 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 uh, uh G Man over there. He got brain dead when he fought uh a super middleweight fight with uh what's that guy from over the U- UK Nate, Nigel Ben.
3: Nigel Ben, yeah, yeah.
1: Remember what he did to uh, Mike McCallum? No, not Mike McCallum. Uh, Gerald McCullum. Gerald McCullum. Remember what Nigel Ben did to Gerald McCullum?
3: Gerald McClellan, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Gerald McCullum is messed up. So you got to be a crazy individual to even be to even go in there. So in, in my mind, I say this to myself: I, you know, why not risk it all one day? You know what I'm saying? And, and I and I think Anthony Joshua, like I said. I think he'll bring me to that to that point, you know, because I I want to leave this sport when I leave. I don't want to leave with no fight left in me. I always say that I want to leave with not an ounce of fight left in me, Even knowing that I gave it my all, knowing that I gave blood, sweat and tears. I don't I don't want to leave with an ounce of fight left in me. I want to enjoy retirement life, and I think Anthony Joshua can get all the fight out me, all the fight I got in me. He can. He I think he's the one that can get it out. Me.
3: Okay And that's my
1: favorite And that's my favorite UK fighter Don't I'm not I love that kid I love how he fights But at the same time I think he can get All the fight out of me Like I don't Like after I fight After a fight With Anthony Joshua I think I I can throw the towel In the same way As Vitaly Klitschko Just did Vladimir yeah That kid That kid took All the fight out of Klitschko, And I don't care What nobody said I mean that When you got a fight Like that And then they say You want a rematch You say hold it I mean that was the best. That was I think that was the best of for that we was gonna get, and Anthony Joshua just took all the fight out of him. So my whole my point exactly is this: I'm if I get in there with him, I want him to take all the fight out of me, where I can retire peacefully and say, look, I don't got no more left in me. You know.
3: Okay, uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say you're wrong. Uh, you know, we we hear your opinion. It's, it sounds a bit crazy, but it's uh, hopefully a fight that happens down the line. If it's one that you want, hopefully uh, not too soon, but hopefully uh, hopefully oh. down the line. Oh, no, not,
1: not too soon. Not too soon. Just in the near future, just when I'm ready to see my farewell to boxing, um, I'm going to try to make that fight happen.
3: Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully one day we see that. Um, and the final real question I've got for you, Jesse, Um Usually, I, sometimes I ask this, sometimes I don't ask this. You're taking on, obviously, a really good fighter, a, a current world champion. I'm going to ask you if you've got one. Have you got any kind of prediction for us? I know you kind of said earlier that you can see yourself uh, stopping him or perhaps him even quitting. Uh, have you got any kind of prediction?
1: I predict My prediction is that I come out the winner with my hand raised. And I, and I predict that the, the, the announcer that night is going to say in the new Dirty B.O., Super Rural champion of the world. Jesse, hard work hard. I just got a feeling I'm going to hear in the new.
3: We certainly hope so, I tell you that much. Now, just before we let you go, <laughs> Jesse, anything that you want to say to our listeners at all, to any UK fans, anything you want to get off your chest before we let you say, go? I
1: want, I love the UK boxing, man. I've been watching the UK boxing since, Um, I don't know if y'all guys ever heard of the guy that dropped Ali in his first fight.
3: Henry so, Cooper. Henry Cooper.
1: That guy is like one of my favorite fighters. Because his grittiness, his determination, and his his willpower to never give up. Even though he couldn't see out that eye, it was cut hellaciously. He still wanted to fight Ali, and he still wanted to continue on. I think he symbolized what UK fighters is all about. Never giving up, and that guy, as I was almost out of out the socket in that fight, and he prayed, he begged the referee to let him keep fighting. I think he symbolized UK boxing. Um, uh, I love UK. I love the UK boxing fans. Um, y'all always stick behind your fighters, and uh, like I said, man, hopefully I, I, I really want to come over there and perform at Webley one day, and um. I got to get Eddie Hearn on the phone talk to Eddie Hearn because I want to perform over there one day just to get that experience man Yo, I love the UK boxing fans it, 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 I, 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 like I said I, I, I pray one day that I get the chance to perform over there just to get that experience
3: yeah we certainly welcome you over here with open arms it would be brilliant if you do get through your upcoming fight perhaps a unification with James DeGaulle sometime, uh, sometime next year summer absolutely What a fight that would be. Okay, listen, Jesse, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Good luck for your world title fight on the 22nd of September. And God willing, next time we speak, I'll be speaking to the new WBO super middleweight champion of the world.
1: God willing, man. Thank you. Farewell, mate. This has been a great interview.
3: Okay, and there we have it. Episode 95 is now complete. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Barry Jones has been on with me for the duration of the show. A big thank you to our two guests, former World Heavyweight Title Challenger Brian Jennings and future Super Middleweight World Title Challenger Jesse Hart. It's been a Philadelphia podcast this week, a place where boxing has always been thriving. The streets of Philadelphia has been home to some of the best to ever lace them up up and it's been a pleasure bringing you the voices of two guys who are some of the best fighters philadelphia has to offer of this era as always the biggest thanks of all goes out to the listeners that tune in every week there's no boxing this weekend so remember if you've got any free time please leave us a review on itunes it really will mean a lot you can follow us on instagram and twitter at box Hard podcast we'll be back next week with another big show as always until next time take care